Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. It's the last week in the book of James. I can't believe it. We've made it to the end of the six-week study, and we've covered so many great things that we're going to kind of touch back on today, and we're also going to look at the very end, at chapter five. So, settle in. Hey, y'all. Wow. I can't believe that it is the last week in the book of James. I know. It's crazy. We've really done it. It's like flown by and also dragged on at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, it has. Anna and I have been doing this Bible study together for the podcast, and we've been taking our As You Are leaders through the book of James. And then for me, I've also been taking the UGA seniors through James. So I've just been, I've been in this book. A lot of James. Yeah. And I've taken so much from it. Um, I'm excited to talk today about kind of our takeaways and how God's been using this word in both of our lives. And I am excited for y'all to be able to chat with your small groups or with whoever you talk to about this stuff to share what God's been doing in your life through James. Um, I'm going to say a prayer to open us up. And then, Anna, will you read our chapter for today? Yeah. Okay. God, we love you, and we just pray that you would honor each one of the girls' time and energy that is studying with us right now and listening with us. I pray that you would be so near to her, that you would walk with her, show her exactly what it looks like to apply this word to her life. And I pray that you would encourage us through our communities and, um, yeah, that this would become a living and active part of our faith as we're getting to know you and applying your word in our life. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is James chapter 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvest have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the days of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, 
so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Yes, and that is the, the end. end. <laughs> it was um, a lot yeah. of really good stuff, and we're going to break it down kind of section by section. I first want to remind y'all that on our website, AYA, as in as you are, ayaministries.com slash resources, we have a study that we've been writing alongside this. It's a very simple study, but it's basically some notes and thoughts on each section and then some questions that are really thought-provoking and kind of help discuss the topics. And so we really encourage y'all to go download that and go through this with your group or even just read through it yourself because we point out just some different historical things and kind of help unpack it a little bit for Mm -hmm. anyone who doesn't have another study because we've been going through other studies and listening to some sermons along the way. So please grab that and also let us know what you think. But um, for this chapter, chapter five, we're going to basically talk about it in three sections. A warning about money and material things, Mm -hmm. good advice for how to be patient and faithful, and praying in all situations with power. So Anna, I don't know about you, but when I first read through James, I got to this section, chapter five, verses one through six, and felt a little confused, or I just had some questions. The tone feels like it shifts. And it's obviously talking about rich people in a very negative way. Let's shed some light on what we've learned about this section. Yeah, just reading it now. I was like, and it's hard to read. But one thing, a sermon that I was listening to by Tim Keller, (laughs) I feel like we should stop saying that or like get a mug that says that. Um, We do need a mug like that. I was listening to a Tim Keller sermon. Anyways, uh, he gave a really great, sermon on this topic and two things specifically the first one was that not everybody who is wealthy is being condemned it's about what you do with your wealth um and ultimately like it's acknowledging that everything we have is from god therefore it's his so like if he if we're given money it's god's money and like we get to steward it and so how are we stewarding that in a way that's honoring to him yep to whom much is given, much is expected. I kind of think about mm, that. Yeah. Of like It's our responsibility to care for people around us. In a study that I'm doing separately, she said exactly what you're saying. Like 
being wealthy isn't sinful. There were actually major characters in the Bible that were wealthy, like Abraham, Job, David, and they were still really faithful. Like they obeyed God. They listened to God. They were like submitted to God's will. And so I think, yeah, that's exactly what you're saying. Like it's about our attitude towards our money and towards life. But, you know, throughout he kind of references different things that these people that he's writing to would have understood that was Mm -hmm. happening at the time. And in my study, it said basically that there were rich landowners that because of their position in society, they would kind of control the laws and they could manipulate the system. If they wanted someone's land, they really sort of had the power to just take it. Over time, these people were leaving the poor and disadvantaged people suffering, like to a really serious degree where they just got more and more poor and the rich got more and more rich. And so I think he's like pointing these people out. They were not believers. And he's pointing them out as an example of how self-serving attitudes, especially when it comes to like how you spend and use your money and resources, might get you far in the present day, but he's zooming ahead to like a future day of judgment or something, you know, like all your riches have yeah. rotted and your garments are moth eaten. Like, like those things that you thought would sustain you and you put all of your hope in and you kind of behaved in these evil ways by taking from the poor or like not giving to the poor, those things didn't last for you, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's a reminder of like, what we have on earth isn't lasting. Yeah. Spending money, which we all buy clothes, like that's not bad, but letting that become what we spend all of our money on, it's not going to last, you know? Right. And because this whole letter has been about obedience, like, you know, throughout James has said different things about what it looks like to physically obey, to let your faith produce good works in your life and like practice self-control with what you say and how you treat people. I think this is about what it looks like to obey with your, if you look at the section before, with your planning, and if you look at this section, with your money. So, like, what does it look like to obey God with our money? The opposite of this, it is a good reminder to, like, not spend all of our energy and thoughts thinking about what we can buy for ourselves rather than like ways that we can obey God. Does that make sense? Yes, it definitely does. One thing Tim Keller said that has been helpful for me when thinking about money and like how am I stewarding my money is he he posed the question, what luxuries are you treating as necessities? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really helpful to think through is like what what in my life am I saying like, no, I need this thing, but really maybe it's a luxury and I don't actually need it right now in this moment. Totally. Um, totally. Everett and I are trying to, in 2024, be more diligent at like keeping our budget and like mm-hmm. just being better at it. <laughs> um, and I, we had a budget meeting the night that I was listening to this sermon and it was just, it was one of those moments where you're like, all right, I hear yeah. you, God. I hear you. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I totally agree. Better, but I love this verse from Matthew, um, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Jesus is talking about where your treasure is. Mm-hmm. Your heart will be also. I'm sure you've heard that. But like basically 
whatever it is that you're investing in, and if it's, I want to make money so I can have more stuff, so I can have a great house or like have great wardrobe or whatever, like that is where you're investing your heart. So yeah, that's just something to tuck away and remember as you're living your life, like where are my priorities in my life right now? But anyway, back to James. Um, then he goes from talking about the people who are not believers who are doing these evil things with their money and with their power. And then he turns it back to talking to the believers. I love this. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. That's um, chapter five, verse seven. That like visualization was particularly helpful for me when I was thinking about what does it look like for me to practically have faith. Mm -hmm. No one likes to wait and we don't like to wait in the unknown, Yeah, you know, and God really is asking us to get comfortable waiting in the unknown because we have such trust in him. And the way that James is illustrating it is he's saying like, So you know how like you plant at the right time knowing that the rains are going to come in these two different seasons. And then after those seasons, you get to reap the harvest. He's saying have faith and patience the same way a farmer knows expectantly. I've planted the seed. It's going to take some time, but there will be a harvest. I just want to wait with that type of patience when I'm waiting for God to answer something in my life. And it is a helpful image to think about like, okay... With a farmer, like the seed gets planted and then it could be like years before they are able to actually harvest a crop from that plant. And I think in a culture that is so used to instant gratification, it's really encouraging to be reminded of that because sometimes it might feel like, how am I still waiting for this X, Y, or Z thing to happen? Or how am I still waiting for healing from this hard season of life? And it's not because God isn't working on our behalf. It might be because it's just not it's just not time yet. Like the season hasn't come for that harvest yet. Yeah, I really love the next verse, verse 8. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And in the Bible study that Anna and I are both doing, she pointed us to Psalm 37. Mm-hmm. And we have this in our study too, but... She said, okay, what does it look like to establish your heart in the Lord, in Scripture, in truth? And so she pointed us to Psalm 37 and said, as you're reading through, because it's kind of long, write down the different things that stand out to you as ways to establish your heart. I think that's a really good exercise to do and also just a good mindset to get in of, okay, this is the long game. What does it look like right. to let my roots grow deep down into God and who he says I am and learning to trust him and walk with him? I love how much she points us to other scriptures, too, because I think it's Me so too. helpful. Well, sometimes I get annoyed. I'm like, I got to flip over there. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, me too, actually. Then I also tell myself, no, this is really good because she's she's one letting scripture interpret scripture but two she's helping me see that the bible is one big story it's not like a bunch of one-off random 
books, you know? Yep. I know. I totally agree. Wait, I'm sorry. I feel like I have one more note on this, like, little section. Do it. So right after it says establish your hearts, it says do not grumble against one another. Um, In seasons of suffering, hardship, difficulties, we are all kind of in a weakened state and more susceptible to certain temptations. I think this is partially about knowing your weaknesses and establishing your heart in God so that when you do have to have patience in suffering or when you do have a rough season or things haven't been answered or cleared up or you're feeling really grumpy or annoyed or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that like you can remain in Jesus. Right. I think it's really cool too because the next part that he launches into is talking about prayer and Mm -hmm. it's almost like he's telling us patience and suffering like encouraging us in that and then pointing us to like how you're gonna do this is like to pray together and to like and to seek God in prayer yep the last little bit 5 13 through 20 he talks about he starts it with three different I don't know if it's types of prayer but like three different reasons situations yeah uh and the first one is if you're suffering It says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing songs of praise. If anyone among you is sick, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him. And I I love that because he's acknowledging, like, one, we're not always going to be walking through suffering. Sometimes we're going to be cheerful. Sometimes life is going to be going well. And in those seasons, let's rejoice. Like, let's point back to God in that, too. And in the seasons when it is really hard... Then also, like, no matter what season you're walking through, we should still be turning to God in prayer, you know? Yeah, I do think that sometimes we pray as a last resort. Like, yeah. we do things first, and then we pray. He's encouraging us to pray first and then do. Totally. That part was, yeah, so helpful. I was talking to Michael about the way that we pray. He says in chapter four, like you are fighting and grumbling because you don't get what you want and you don't get what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you do, you're asking for the wrong things with the wrong motives. Like you're just kind of all off. And I was thinking, how often are we missing out on the power of prayer and on the power of what God's doing in our lives? Because we're just, we're not aligned with his heart and what he's doing and we're not asking to be aligned with what his he's doing and what he cares about and so then we're just asking for the wrong things or asking kind of with that wrong motive of getting farther along or shortcutting a lesson i love the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working that's in the middle of verse 16 and i was asking michael i was like okay the prayer of a righteous person, it has power. And what does it look like to be a righteous believer mm-hmm. based on what we've learned in this book? Like in chapter 2, verse 22, he's talking about Abraham who believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Yes. So like Abraham has faith, but he's not just sitting on his faith. Like he's actively walking that out and he's walking in what God has called him to. And so I think even for us, like 
maybe it's hard to know like what has God called me into I don't even know but I know for sure one mm-hmm. thing he's called you is to love the people around you like yep and exactly. love them well like start just start there you know like start by looking at the people that God has put in your in like in your daily life and ask yourself okay how can I love them well um and then at the same time how can I seek Jesus daily. I think those are two great questions to ask yourself to like learn what it can look like to walk in righteousness and to walk with Jesus and to walk in faith too. Yeah. Chapter three, verse 18 says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So that's another really easy one. Like be a peacemaker. You know how it is. Like if you are in a situation where a friend comes to you and someone has done them wrong, the first thing that you want to do is say, oh, I cannot believe her. Yeah. <laughs> like, I am so on your side and this is so wrong. And so I just wonder, what does it look like for us to make peace mm-hmm. in our daily situations? Because that is the thing that God's calling righteous. And if you go through, like, all of these chapters and kind of, like, find the different things that say righteousness – And then you can write those down. I think that would be a good exercise to kind of internalize. What does God care about? He cares about us making peace, about us loving others well, about us walking out our faith. Like, and it kind of gives you this picture of what it looks like to obey practically. Right. And I do think as we're thinking back over the last six weeks, six weeks study, we have learned so much, honestly, probably more than we could even really try and do a summary of but one of the most important things we've learned is like what it looks like to really have faith and to walk in faith and I love personally that he ends his book pointing us back to community um yep in his last little section he talks about calling on the elders of the church and praying for one another and For us, like the elders of the church could be obviously, yes, the church, but also just like your community, your Bible study, the girls you live with, your Bible study leaders, your mentors, like walking with each other is so important. Yeah. And he says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, he is saying just like he has been through this whole letter that we all may have the tendency to wander off and we do need each other to encourage and and remind each other of the truth and bring each other back to God if we wander off you know Mm -hmm. I completely agree um and guys that brings us to the end of James which is kind of crazy and honestly it doesn't have like a a pretty bow like on the end he just kind of ends the letter some of the other most of the other letters end with like I'll see you soon or (laughs) like so proud of you guys keep going yeah and James is just like and done Mm -hmm. we hope if you hear nothing else that you hear from James and from obviously from God because he authored James's words what it looks like to have real faith we think that's really what James Mm -hmm. is trying to explain in his book is like hey here's what it looks like to walk in faith and to not be stagnant in faith and to to really live it out to like live out a relationship with Jesus yeah I think that the biggest takeaways are the marks of true faith are the words that come out of our mouth the way we care for people in our community 
and the way that we engage with Mm -hmm. the world, like what we allow to um, affect us. And the thing is, no one can do that perfectly. Like we do have first and foremost, God, access to him. And like James has been saying over and over again, humble yourself before God and ask for wisdom. But also, yeah, we have community. And I love that there's two things that I think really close it out perfectly. Number one is back to chapter four, verse six, um, where it says, but God gives more grace. It says he opposes the proud. So we do need to humble ourselves before him and seek him. Like when we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. But ultimately he just gives us grace. He, he loves you. And he knows already that we're not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Finally, yeah, that my brothers, this is chapter five, verses, verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that that's basically a great thing. It can cover a multitude of sins and it can save souls. And so like none of us are wise in our own strength. We all are going to have the tendency to wander. And so that's why it's so good that y'all are in your Bible studies or your whatever community it is that you're walking your faith out with. I think that there's so much power in that when you allow people into your life and you walk with Jesus together, you can constantly be reminding each other of truth, encouraging each other, and bringing each other back to God. So that is the encouraging and hopeful way that James is ending his letter and that we're going to end our podcast. We really hope that you've enjoyed this as much as we have. We love y'all, and we'll be back next week with something else something not James <laughs> we don't know <laughs> who knows see ya bye see ya bye